This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Is at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Savage Nation podcast in these very dark days. Everyone I know who has a conscience 
and uh, a brain and knows what's going on is frightened. Everyone is frightened because even the United Nations, the head of the United Nations spoke and said, we fear a nuclear war. When will this stop? It's as though we have two madmen on both sides of the equation. Yes, of course, Russia is the aggressor in this case. Yes, of course, we know there's been an ongoing war in that area since at least 2014 with 40,000 people dead. Yes, I know all the background situation. I know all about it. But how does it stop? When will this stop? When you have Russia just saying today it will stop the invasion, when Moscow's demands are met, and the demands are as follows. Russian ambassador to UN Vasily Debenzia just said that Russia will halt its invasion of Ukraine when Moscow's demands are met. And what are they? Conditions are demilitarization of Ukraine, defensification of Ukraine, no threat which would come from the territory to Russia, no joining NATO. I mean, he's very clear on it. Ukrainian presidential advisor, whoever, said today the talks have resumed between the two sides. The uh, comedian's advisor said the following in a tweet. Negotiations are ongoing. Consultations on the main negotiation platform renewed. General regulation matters ceasefire withdrawal of troops from the territory of the country. You know, I've never seen anything like this in all of my studies of war and peace. I've never seen a side being pummeled almost to extinction, dictating the terms of settlement. Never. I've never seen anything like this. I don't see this as bravery at this point. I see this as suicidal behavior on the part of the comedian and his minions. I don't think you know, know something. Most of the people, if not all of them, around Zelensky worked in his theater company with him. It's a very important point. It's as though Larry David or Howard Stern took over a country. And now they're dictating the terms of peace to stop the war where their cities are being destroyed. It's crazy. It's crazy. It has to stop. People are frightened. Zelensky made a statement yesterday that was crazy. It was almost insane. And I don't know if the man is on drugs, nor does it matter. It's getting nuts, nuts, nuts. Zelensky said fleeing Russians, in, mocking Putin now, mocking Putin. Fleeing Russians are supplying his army. I've never seen anything like this. I couldn't believe my eyes. I said, how in the world does a man who has brought his country to this level, I'm not blaming him. I know Putin's the aggressor. Putin's the warmonger. I get all of that. But to make statements like this at a time like this that he made, I've never seen anything like this. Tell me if these are the words of a sane man whose country is being destroyed. Ukrainian president, the comedian Zelensky, promised his people victory in the war against Russia and said that Russian troops are fleeing the battlefield, leaving supplies for his army. He urged the Russian soldiers to withdraw, quote, the 19th day of our resistance is over. Historical war, another difficult day, which is still approaching our victory, approaching peace for Ukraine. The mad comedian Zelensky began, according to his presidential office. Zelensky went on to say, the enemy is confused and did not expect stiff resistance. Quoting again, their soldiers know this. Their officers are aware of this. The Russians are fleeing the battlefield. They abandon equipment, he said. We take trophies 
and use them protect Ukraine to protect Ukraine. Zelensky said he went on. Today, Russian troops are, in fact, one of the suppliers of equipment to our army. They could not imagine such a thing in a nightmare, unquote. He then addressed the Russian soldiers, urging them to surrender. If you think these are the same heroic words of a leader whose country is being destroyed, you're as crazy as he is. That's how bad things have become. And it's going to get worse unless it gets better really fast. And everyone I know is terrified. Updated a few minutes ago. Kiev to welcome three European prime ministers before 35-hour curfew takes effect. Live updates. Three European leaders are expected to travel to the Ukrainian capital of Kiev on Tuesday before a 35-hour curfew for civilians takes effect as Russian forces advance and the city is under sustained shelling. Are you listening to this? Sustained shelling. Three prime ministers are coming in. The prime ministers of Poland, Slovenia, and the Czech Republic, all NATO member countries, are to meet with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and Prime Minister whoever. They're going to meet with them? And what is that going to do? Seven minutes ago, Zelensky said Ukraine knows it doesn't have an open door to NATO membership. What does that mean? Ukrainian President Zelensky said today that he knows his country does not have an open door to NATO membership and should instead find ways to protect itself with the help of security guarantees. Reuters reports. The defiant Zelensky, whose country is being destroyed as we speak, said, if we cannot enter through open doors, then we must cooperate with the associations with which we can, which will help us, protect us, and have separate guarantees, he said in a video address. Well, okay, you heard earlier what Russia's position is saying when it will stop the invasion of Ukraine. Conditions are, from the Russian point of view, demilitarization of Ukraine. That's a pretty big order, demilitarization of Ukraine. What does that mean? They all give up their weapons? Defensification of Ukraine? What does that mean? No threat which would come from the territory to Russia, no joining NATO. So in the middle of all of this, the Russians have now surrounded the entire southeastern portion of Ukraine. They're committing an encirclement, a classic military maneuver. We look at it day to day on television and we don't know what's going on, but the Russians are actually fighting a typical battle of encircling the enemy's stronghold, coming in from the east, coming in from the south, coming in from the north, and committing the encirclement around the capital of Kiev. And now that the leader of Ukraine knows that the capital is about to be encircled, suddenly he's talking a little less insanely about what he will do. Meanwhile, Zelensky is now calling for more weapons to Ukraine and a Russia trade embargo. He wants weapons, more weapons to his country. Yesterday, he boasted that he was picking up trophies from the battlefield and the Russians were throwing down their weapons. Today, you know, I think he's drugged up out of his mind, by the way. We keep hearing that, uh, I mean, you want one man's opinion. I told you that I believe Russia is the aggressor. We already cleared that up. Now let's talk about reality. Yesterday, Zelensky says the Russians are throwing down their weapons and he's got trophies and he's winning. Today, Zelensky says the Ukrainian military is rapidly using up weapons and other hardware that Western nations have shipped to his country. He added, though, he had to give a jab again to the bear. We have to acknowledge Russia as a rogue state. And there has to be a trade embargo with Russia, said the comedian. 
This is something that we need, and you need as well, just like the rest of the world, to make sure there is peace in Europe and Ukraine. Again, the loser is dictating the terms of the uh, truce. Again, Zelensky attacked NATO because it wouldn't implement the no-fly zone, dragging the world into a world war. It's getting, in some ways, worse, in some ways, maybe better. The country is being destroyed. I could read you other things, but I don't want to. It's getting awful. It's getting so bad, and the poor people, three million people have fled Ukraine. We all see the pictures. Three million people have fled this nation since the start of the Russian invasion. How is it going to stop? A few hours ago, Zelensky in his undershirt, he looks like an influencer. What president meets in an undershirt thinking he's a TikTok star? Tell me who this man is. He says Ukraine-Russia talks to continue Tuesday after progress was made. You know, he, he could stop it right now. He could say, we want to stop it now. We agree to throw down our weapons now if the U.N. comes in and puts a cordon around Kiev. But he's not doing that. He said just now the talks between Ukrainian and Russian delegations will continue, blah, blah, blah. He spoke Monday to Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett as part of efforts to quickly end the war. He could have done that a week ago when they asked him to do it and achieve honest peace. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Kiev mayor announces a 35-hour curfew starting tonight at 8 p.m. Today is a difficult and dangerous moment, said the mayor of uh, Kiev. Vitaly Klitschko, who's a real hero, is a hero of mine, by the way, great boxer. The capital is the heart of Ukraine and it will be defended, he added. Kiev, which is currently the symbol and forward operating base of Europe's freedom and security, will not be given up by us. Well, he's another warrior, won't give up, nobody will give up. The casualties mount, the destruction of the nation mounts, and the world sits and watches, and the UN says this could lead to a world war. It could lead to a nuclear war. I've never seen anything like this. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. You know, there seems to be one politician in Washington who knows what he's talking about, and his name is Ron Paul. Headline, Newsmax, are Biden and D.C. fighting Russia down to the last Ukrainian? Listen to what he wrote. As the Russian invasion of Ukraine moves past its third week, there are slight hopes that negotiations between the two sides may soon produce a ceasefire. But he goes on. But with the shrill warmongering talk in Washington, it almost seems like the U.S. government would hate to see that happen. Listen to this. Congress and the U.S. administration seem determined to drag the United States into war with Russia over Ukraine. Senator Lindsey Graham is openly calling for someone to kill the Russian president. And many in the U.S. House have demanded uh, a no-fly zone. He asks, are they insane? Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> 
says a no-fly zone means you destroy anything and everything that can prevent total U.S. air dominance. That means an attack on Russian missile and air defense systems within Russia. In other words, World War III. He says we can all feel disgust at the destruction in Ukraine, but is it really necessary for us to gamble with our own nuclear annihilation? He says, sadly, a large bipartisan group in Congress seems to think so. Much of what is happening in Ukraine can be traced back to the Obama administration. State Department officials like Victoria Nuland and U.S. Secretary of Hate Anthony Blinky planned and executed the overthrow of the Ukrainian government in 2014. This is what set us on this path to conflict as the government put in place after the coup began demanding NATO membership. I hope you pay attention to what he just said. Paul goes on to say, Blinken, Newland, and others responsible for this heinous act returned to government in more senior positions under Biden, and they have continued to push their Ukraine agenda. Last week, Blinken, our top diplomat, sought to send Soviet-era Polish fighter jets into Ukraine to shoot Russians. When the Poles said they'd be happy to ship the planes to a U.S. base in Germany and let the Pentagon transfer them to Ukraine, the Pentagon finally stepped in to quash an extraordinarily high-risk move that even the Pentagon said would have no real effect on the outcome of the war. The State Department is trying to get us into a war, and the Pentagon is trying to keep us out. How ironic, says Mr. Paul. He goes on. Back when I was on the campaign trail, I would say that we have a few thousand diplomats in government. It might not be a bad idea to use them, but I certainly did not mean that we should use them to try and get us further involved in a war. Three weeks into this terrible war, the U.S. is not pursuing talks with Russia. Now, let me pause right there, because as you're going to hear from Colonel McGregor, or you already heard in part one, Biden has to step in and talk to Putin to end this. And I'll go on with Mr. Paul's article. He says, as antiwar.com recently reported, instead of supporting negotiations between Ukraine and Russia that could lead to a ceasefire and an end to, to the bloodshed, the U.S. government is actually escalating the situation, which can only increase the bloodshed. The constant flow of U.S. and allied weapons into Ukraine and talk of supporting an extended insurgency does not seem designed to give Ukraine a victory on the battlefield, but rather to hand Russia what Secretary of State Blinky said, a strategic defeat. It sounds an awful lot like the Biden administration intends to fight Russia down to the last Ukrainian. The only solution for the U.S. is to get out. Let the Russians and Ukrainians reach an agreement. That means no NATO for Ukraine and no U.S. missiles on Russia's borders. So what? End the war? then end NATO. That's Ron Paul, former Republican congressman, two-time Republican presidential candidate, and the presidential nominee of the Libertarian Party in the 1988 U.S. presidential election. He's the only one who sees what is going on in this conflict that was started by Obama and is now being agitated by Newland and Blinken. It's hard to believe that there's only one congressman, ex-congressman, who knows what's going on. Ron Paul. Let's pray for peace. There's a lot more news that you could probably find by clicking the television on. But before we go to the basic center of today's program, where we play part two of the great interview with Colonel McGregor, who led the largest tank battle since World War II in Iraq, West Point graduate, PhD. You'll hear what he has to say, how this can end. This is the part two of the interview, which you will hear on this visionary podcast. But there's more that I have to say before I sign off. So I have a premium group of members 
who pay the price of a cheap beer to listen to this podcast uh, without advertising. I love the advertising because they support this podcast. Without advertisers, I would have no podcast. Just be very clear about that. I got this from a list. They can communicate with me. People who sign up for my Savage Club exclusive membership have a way of emailing me, and I answer some of them. And this came to me from someone I don't know, and it touched me last night as I was watching the horrors of the world. Came from a man named Chris Yomama. I don't know if it's a real name. Who knows? He said, Mr. Savage, I've been in the U.S. military, active and reserves for 30 years, and I've been in law enforcement for 23 years. I want to wish you a wonderful birthday, blessed with family, health, and friends. He goes on. I hope you don't think this is too self-serving, but it's something I have to tell you. He goes on and says, you have an amazing gift from God, and thank you for continuing to share it with the world. I do not have any one favorite show that you've done because they all provide great nuggets of wisdom that have touched my soul many of times over the years. For instance, Bernie Sanders president, your imitation of Bernie really got to me. And then you spoke once about listening to Beethoven in the car, specifically mentioning the Seventh Symphony. struck a chord with me out of the blue as well. You see, Michael, many years ago, I used to investigate child homicide crimes, and I often would pull my car over a few blocks away from my home. On my way back from these horrific crimes, I would listen to some classical music, and I would often cry. Weep is a better description. This helped me to compose myself and disperse, as you stated, wash away my blood-stained visions, anger, rage, of total or total despair in humanity that I had built up in my mind during the investigation. Beethoven's Seventh Symphony was still is one of my favorites to listen to. The majestic music would bring back the beauty in life and melt away my pain or cleanse my thoughts so that I could bear to come home and see my wife and children enjoy their innocence in life. To this day, I cannot hear this masterpiece without shedding a tear. Thank you, Michael, for your brilliant words, steadfast wisdom and guidance, sincerely acts. Ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation, of the Michael Savage Show, man's inhumanity to man is affecting all of us. All of the fantasy is put aside as we watch man's inhumanity to man. I hope in some way, truth will set us free. Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to the Michael Savage Podcast. Right now, we're going to take another look behind the scenes of this podcast, and I'm going to play for you the audio of one of our internal production meetings so you can see how we prepare for the podcasts and how we all look at the news of the day. Welcome to the Savage Nation team 
meeting for Monday morning and we're talking about the news of the week and we're talking about what we're going to give you this week in podcasts. Tomorrow, we have the great part two of the great Colonel McGregor. If you heard part one, you know who he is. I really don't want to repeat it right now. Everyone's been waiting for part two. He led the largest tank battle in the Iraqi desert, West Point graduate, PhD, and he has a lot to say. And amongst them is that nobody, including Putin, wants a nuclear strike. And yet when we wake up this morning, it seems that it's getting much, much more dangerous in the world right now. We talked last time about how um, we think the Ukraine war will end from the colonel's point of view, how he said that Biden holds all the cards and that he needs to step in and call a timeout and make a peace. But instead, he sent the, the giggler, which made America look like a laughingstock on the world stage. So that's one main part of this. And we're then going to also give you a path to peace, my Newsmax appearance from last week. And I'm going to talk about my praising of Biden for his restraint on Ukraine. And I, I know many people understand what I was saying, but there's such stupidity right now in the media where either you're against Biden or for Biden. It's like, you mean when Trump was president and no matter what he did was good and the left said everything he did was bad and we said, what's wrong with them? So I praise Biden for his restraint and I'm attacked for praising Biden by the idiots, the MAGAites who say he's an idiot. This is what's going on in the world. What in the news in your mind, Karen, this morning, you, you raised the issue of Saudi Arabia doing what? Yes, yeah, Saudi Arabia, just this past uh, week, they had their largest execution they've had in their history. And when you say execute, you know, it's not like the United States. It's not like where we we give the people some kind of lethal injection. They've actually beheaded people. And in the past, they have records of crucifying homosexuals as well. And uh, I think it relates to what Colonel, Dr. I mean, C Colonel McGregor was saying about there being a globalist agenda behind what we're seeing unfold with Putin and the way we've been really the Democrats, their language around Russia. What did it have to do with Saudi Arabia executing criminals? So, well, just that Saudi Arabia, we just recently had Biden go over and just on hands and knees begging the Saudi Arabia. Oh, after he begged them for oil production, they cut heads off. Yeah, yeah. And I don't see the connection, but maybe there is one. I don't really know. Well, I don't I just, understand I, it. But you're saying that what they're saying to Biden is we'll do what we want now because you need our gas. Well, we'll go I, back to I, our, our Arabic ways. I just think in general that we see a media that's so now I'm not defending Putin in any way, shape or form, but there is like a dichotomy here where we can go grovel to Saudi Arabia, but Putin is more of a problem. Like you said, there's there is an invasion taking place in Europe there's and then three million people who have been yeah. driven out of their homes. I've never seen anything like this since World War Two. We're seeing cities being blown up building by building. It's, it's a little different, in my opinion, but I understand on a human level. Cutting heads off is not exactly acceptable to the world, and yet nothing has been said about that. I think that's your main point, right, Karen? No oh, yeah. one's saying a word. Ryan, yeah. what did you see in the news today that affects you emotionally? Uh, emotionally and financially, I think the biggest thing that I see in the news that has been rotating is just where, where are we going to get oil? That Where are we going to get gas that is going to not absolutely break the bank for the average Joe? like myself, basically, you know, it's, I, I, I drive around the Bay area a little bit and use $40 worth of gas. And when it would be 10 bucks, you know, 
a year ago. And everyone's now emotionally distraught because of a war going on. Their wallets are being drained. They go to the grocery store, chickens, you know, at a premium high. I think. How much is a chicken today? Oh, I mean, the if I get a pack of chicken thighs, it's about fifteen dollars compared to when it used to be about eight. A chicken and thighs went up double. It, from what ones I buy, yeah. If you want a organic chicken thigh, you're going to be paying top. See, dollar. Ryan shops for me most of the time. I don't even know how much chicken thighs cost. I eat organic chicken thighs with the bone in a lot. Yeah, I'm maxing. Well, out we've seen nothing hard. yet. I, I keep saying no one. We have seen nothing yet. I was reading last week that fishermen in Italy. Whereas eight boats used to go out and come back, one boat's going out now because the fuel costs are so high. It's not it's not even feasible for the fishermen to fish and make a profit. So now this fisher in short supply, we've only seen the beginning of the devastation of this war. And I'm not blaming Zelensky per se, but I treated something controversial over the weekend that I may as well throw in here before I ask Doug for his view of the news. And I treated this this morning. I said, after this war is over, Zelensky's legacy will not be that of Churchill. Tragically, he will have promoted the worst wave of anti-Semitism Europe has seen in 70 years. Those who foisted him onto the world stage will make him the scapegoat. I knew it was controversial before I put it up. I knew that many people would say I'm wrong. I know many people would say I'm I'm the one creating anti. I didn't care what they said. This podcast is brought to you, the listener, by the visionary Michael Savage, is what I want to say right now. I have been a visionary for 27 years. I see this vision and it's a nightmare. So I sent it to a rabbi friend, Rabbi Barclay, and he said, Michael, in the same way that you trust that I know Judaism, I trust that you understand politics better than I do. Please briefly explain so that I can share with others or send me a link if you talk about it in the show. Why Zelensky, whom is definitely not a Churchill, will prompt even more anti-Semitism than already exists in Europe. I'd like to be able to share the concept with others. So I answered him. I said, Rabbi, because he's Jewish, because he was used by NATO and the NWO to provoke Russia for years, because he is lost in his own fantasy as a vulgar comedian, now playing the hero, because he has zero understanding that by demanding the world come to the aid of Ukraine, he is bringing the entire world to the brink of World War Three. And the rabbi just answered me and said, and by extension, ultimately, when it becomes clearer to everyone how his narcissism slash ignorance slash arrogance led us to the brink of war or, God forbid, possibly worse, the world will say it was that Jew's fault, who, like all Jews, is arrogant, etc., that we came to this war, unquote, blaming the situation on all Jews and giving fodder for the anti-Semites, question mark, he says. Is that the basic predictive argument for him increasing anti-Semitism? I have not answered him yet. And the answer is, unfortunately, yes. Any comments from the team? Just let it all hang out. Don't don't worry about anyone's feelings. We have no feelings. I think we just saw that some of the European countries are already saying that they've hit the max on what they can do as far as refugees. I want to say it was Poland. Like you said, I mean, at first, everybody says they're they they're they have a lot of empathy and immediately the reaction is we can take everybody, let's help. But once those numbers actually start making a difference and they see those people in their communities, like you said, then they start getting a little bit more upset. You about mean once it. the Ukrainians are flooded into everyone's community. It's an interesting question, which is why is there no outcry about all these refugees? The answer is because they're white in plain English. They look European. 
They're not African and they're not Middle Eastern. Everybody knows that they'll blend in better. OK, there's a clear fact of that. They'll probably will they integrate better than a Middle Easterner into European societies? Will they integrate better than Africans into European societies? Yes, absolutely. Because their culture is that of Christians. Most of them are Catholics, by the way. There are some um, Russian Orthodox, but most of them are Catholics who are being driven out. They fit right into the religion of religions, the Christian religions of Europe. That's another reason they're not Muslim. And of course, there's the racial element, no matter what anyone wants to say, it's it's clear and presently true. I saw an article in this morning's New York Times. I get it automatically sent. And it was interesting because the lead article was headlined how a vulgar comedian Zelensky became an unlikely global hero. I said, where did they get the words vulgar comedian? Because I'm the only one who's been using it. And you go on the article and it's a different headline. It says, good morning. We look at how Vladimir, Vladimir Zelensky became an unlikely global hero a comedian who listens. And then they compare him to Abraham Lincoln, Benny Hill, humor, film actor, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, how originally he was seen as unserious. And now he's become, quote, a Churchillian figure. The personal embodiment of his country's refusal to yield to a murderous authoritarian is how they're putting it. And they say he's standing up to Putin. Uh, well, I would say he's He's doing a lot of things, including bringing the world to the brink of World War Three. Anne Applebaum, a journalist and Ukraine expert, recently sent on NPR that he she thought Zelensky might never flee the country. He's an actor and he understands that he has a role to play and he'll play the role. That's kind of a two edged sword. You know, he's an actor. She said, once you enter the role, you play it to the end. You have a larger responsibility to the citizens and to your country's image in the world. Well, she's got it half right. Meanwhile, Russian forces hit Kiev with heavy artillery strikes. Russian continued. And now they go on with the propaganda, some true, one, some false. Russia asked China for military equipment and for financial assistance. Now they're going to drag China into the war. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. The biggest lie over the weekend was the shooting of an American journalist. Now, I'm sorry, the killing of anyone is always a story. But this guy, Brent Renault, was not a journalist. They're turning into a sacred journalist covering the war for the world. Renault had an old press pass from 2015. Have you seen that story? Did you look into it? You've seen journalists, 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 right? Well, he wasn't a journalist. He was carrying an outdated press pass from 2015. He was a guy with a video camera doing a, a documentary on something there. And I read another story that he was actually killed by the Ukrainians who used him as a human shield. The Russians were hidden in a field behind hedges. The Ukrainians went through the area with him and others in front of them, and he got whacked. So there's much more to the story. Tens of thousands of Russians have fled to Istanbul since the invasion. Outraged what they see as a criminal war or concerned about their livelihoods back home. Russia's war could mean higher costs for plastic products whose prices track those of oil. I said that last week. 
Putin sees himself in the lineage of rulers like Ivan the Terrible and Stalin. I, that's 100% wrong. Colonel McGregor will explain on this podcast that he's no Stalin. He's not a communist. And I will tell you that Bernie Sanders is more of a communist than Putin. Of course, then the New York Times goes on to the virus on how well its vaccine works in children under five and how we need to worry about it again. Anyone else see any news that has struck them as worthy of discussion right now? What you just said with the with the covid, the Pfizer CEO now says there may be a fourth shot required for our vaccinations. Well, my wife was taking three shots and the booster says she's taking no more. And she's a believer in vaccine. She said, I've had enough. I don't believe any any of it anymore. By the way, Obama got covid all of a sudden. And he's been vaccinated and boosted, isn't he? I've heard from people that the ones who are getting it now are those who have been vaccinated. Ryan, didn't you tell me that without mentioning who? Did you tell me someone in your family who's been vaccinated got COVID? My, uh, yeah, um, a family member of mine um, got his second round of COVID and um, he recovered quickly. Um, maybe it was because he already had it, but the first round he was really, he was really, really, really sick for a couple of weeks. This time it took a couple of days to get over the real bad hump. And then there was well, I'm seeing people saying that those who are getting sickest now are those who've been vaccinated. That's what I'm seeing. Here's headlines on Drudge. NATO sends 50 warships to Russian border. That is the most alarming escalation I've seen thus far. 50 warships to the Russian border. Does do they understand what this means? War games on Russia's border risking Putin's roid rage. Now, they're going on with the big lie of that he's on steroids, which I thought to be one of the sickest things I've seen over the weekend in propaganda. Putin's not my hero. Putin's committed a horrible travesty here for the world to see. But he's sober. He doesn't even drink so far as I know. We have a senile president and they never talk about his mental status. But now they're saying that Putin is is on roid steroids. The drill name cold response has kicked off today in Norway, blah, blah, blah. Now, what do they think is going to happen? It's unbelievable to me. Why is Norway allowing NATO to use them as a stooge? This is unbelievable. We see that Russian generals and captains are killed. And they're, they're celebrating this in the leftist media while our fat generals sit in the Pentagon they weren't in Afghanistan when we left troops there who got killed. They weren't in Afghanistan, our fat, disgusting generals, when Biden left $150 billion worth of equipment in, the, in, in Afghanistan. But now we're hearing that his general, the reason his generals are getting killed is because they're actually warriors on the battlefield. That's the difference between his military and ours, by the way, just to make it clear. And before we leave, the headlines are terrifying, incidentally. They really are. They're getting more. I thought it would settle out. Someone I know who's on them. Um, Instagram a lot and TikTok, an adult, very smart, said they've moved past the war. Now they're back to women showing their breasts and their lipstick. They, they, they're tired of it after two weeks. They, they don't want to hear any more about the war, the, the, the morons on those sites. Shocking slay, dead living in no crime zone area of L.A., shot dead while walking dog. Crime is out of control across America. Look at what's happened since they deposed Trump. Crime in America has soared through the roof. Inflation through the roof. World on the brink of World War III. The New World Order did not want Trump in power. They got rid of him. 
and look what's happened. And I directly connect the two. Biden mulling Europe trip over Ukraine invasion in coming weeks so he can wait a few more weeks. Then the, the stuff on the New York Post with the Kardashians, I don't understand how they go on with it. The New York City mayor every day has another $20,000 sport coat while old women are being pushed in front of speeding trains or knocked over the head with a hammer by another ethnic minority. He comes out with another $12,000 sport jacket. Woman stabbed date during sex as revenge for U.S. killing of Iran commander, say the cops. What? Inside a hotel room? I, I, you know, I read the New York Post. I actually need mental. I need mental help after reading it. The mixture of things. Somebody else uh, tweeted something very interesting before I go. I have to read this. Hold on now. I think you'll find it intriguing. I uh, tweeted a couple of things that I think are worth mentioning, including the one about Zelensky. The one that got the most attention of all was this. After this, I said, oh, look, everyone, I'm Andy Blooper of CNN. I freshened up and I'm wearing my brand new flak jacket right here in the Ritz-Carlton in Prague. I'm not actually in Ukraine. Reporting live from Ukraine in Prague, giving you all the propaganda the NWO fed me. That kind of enormous amount of attention. Somehow people don't buy his act, by the way. Here's another one. Michael Savage said, report from hardcore Biden land, USA. Those white liberals who have never flown an American flag now flying Ukrainian colors on cars and homes. Gee, someone wrote liberalism is a mental disorder. That got a lot of attention. Anyone in your neighborhood, Doug, Karen, Brian, are you seeing any Ukrainian colors on fences and cars? Yes, I see heads shaking. Yes. And they're not the people who had American flags up for July 4th. Most of them had Biden posters on their fences. Here's another one I tweeted 20 hours ago. Bolton, the warmonger, said that Biden did not engulf the world in war by sending MiGs to Ukraine. People kind of got that. Anyone else have anything to say before we say sayonara now on the Michael Savage production meeting? I'm glad you mentioned Bolton because I was going to say I saw Bolton on MSNBC with Mrs. Greenspan herself, Andrea Mitchell. And I thought I was living in an alternate universe seeing Bolton, who was the devil on MSNBC, what, a year or two ago? Oh, now he's the darling. I honestly thought I was living in the twilight. He's the worst opportunist of all. I warned Trump about him. He He asked me about him. I've told people on my radio show years ago, I was at Mar-a-Lago and he he saw Bolton in the background circling the buffet, as I've said. And he said, what do you think of him? I said, watch out for him. He's dangerous. He was pushed there by Sean Hannity and Mark Levin, in my opinion, who said he's a great guy because they're all part of the New World Order uh, dissemblers in the media. But everyone knows my opinion of those two. It's it's this Bolton is a, is an opportunist, the, the walrus. He's out now, isn't he? He's not working anywhere. He just wrote the last thing was a, a stab in the back Trump book, right? That's the last we heard. What do you think of Bob Barr's book, Stabbing Trump in the Back? You seen that one? That's unbelievable. Anyone else have any uh, newsy things to give our juicy readers? Oh, no, no, no. Wait, I have to tell you something I I, I found this morning before I go. This is cute. It's about them closing down McDonald's in um, in Russia. And some clever person wrote it's something. On the website. It's on my it's on your website, too. Oh, where you put it up, Karen? <laughs> yeah, I put it up this morning. Wh- which one? Let's go to Michael. Uh, Sa- the it's, Savage. It's, Michael. It's, 
the McDonald's, the guy who chained himself to McDonald's, right? No, 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 no. Somebody said that now that McDonald's, Coca-Cola and uh, chicken stands and all the American junk is being pulled out of Russia. Oh, and they've closed down you porn. The Russians will be the clearest thinking, healthiest people on the planet in a few years. (laughs) Which I thought was hilariously funny in a certain way, isn't it? I wish I could find the exact tweet. You know, people say Twitter is filled with idiots, and that's largely true. But some of the people are not. I mean, some of them are very smart. Let me read it, and we'll close this out now. Daniel M. from Cambodia wrote this to me on my Twitter feed. He said, Russia has already been cut off from CNN, Pornhub, and Facebook. The U.S. is now working on depriving Russians of McDonald's and Coca-Cola. If they keep going with these sanctions, Russians will soon be among the healthiest, well-adjusted and best informed people on the planet. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's sarcastically brilliant. Does anyone else have anything else to add for our listeners? Germany Uh, raises alarms, COVID infections surge to record levels. I wonder if that has anything to do with the Ukrainians coming in without masks. Has anyone talked about that? Where'd that come from? And China City locks down as COVID cases rise. Record high this week. Record high cases in Germany. Where's that coming from? I don't know. Anyone else have a last news story? Come on. Put your brains to work. People are expecting you. Ukrainian president, the comedian Zelensky, will speak directly to Congress tomorrow. As Russia's onslaught intensifies just what the world needs, the vulgar comedian in his starring role, the Savage Nation. Thanks for listening. Now we're going to play for you the other parts of today's podcast. Coming up next on the Michael Savage podcast will be part two of the great Colonel McGregor, who led the largest tank battle since World War II in Iraq. He's a West Point graduate and a Ph.D., and he will tell you how he thinks the Ukraine war will end. And then we'll have a path for peace, a, a segment I did on Newsmax last week. All this and more right here on the visionary podcast, the Michael Savage podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about it. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. As promised, here is part two of my amazing interview with Colonel Douglas McGregor. Please share it with 10 people. Thanks for listening. When Clinton bombed Serbia for 75 days, I was on the radio. I was sick watching it because of the great history of the Serbian people rescuing our airmen and the old men looking up, saying in Belgrade, we've not seen planes bombing our bridges since Hitler's Stukas bombed our bridges. I couldn't believe what I was watching on the Clinton. It's almost a repeat of history of the same mentality. And Colonel, I must say, I remember Hillary Clinton back in 2014, 15, 16, saying Putin is Hitler. She was starting in with the anti-Putin rhetoric from the get-go. What the hell is this about the Democrats and wanting war? Well, it's not just Democrats, let's be frank. Uh, this, this mantra that everything is a repetition of what happened in the 30s. Mm. 
that every every time you talk to someone you don't like, you're Chamberlain at Munich. <laughs> right. You know, every every time you don't insist on maximum damage to your opponent, you're an appeaser. That's what I'm hearing. On and on and on. This is this is this is a sort of trite nonsense. And they've they've made very good use of it now for 30 years. I mean, you've got to give them credit. This has been an, an historically successful narrative that is thrown in everyone's face. So you and I are obviously traitors to our country because <laughs> oh God, don't we, say we that. are appeasers. You see, we may wind up not, we may wind up on a list after this is all over. I, I think we're we're there. Let's face it. The well, point there's a is, domestic, there's a domestic terrorism group now under Biden. Uh, well, I'm just saying that they look at us as the enemy. That's because horrible. these these people think in terms you're either with us or against us. Remember, this was W's argument when he gave his famous speech in 2001. Hmm. He said either you're with us or against us, and talked about the axis of evil. Yes, there was there was no room for say. Wait a minute, we're only interested in a specific individuals yeah. that we can tie directly to this heinous crime. Instead, we're going to wage war all over the globe mm. against what we claim is a universal enemy. I mean, I often ask, how did we go from the existential threat of the global caliphate to the existential threat of China? What happened to the global caliphate? It, it vanished. Became, well, that became, it became the COVID virus <laughs> well, that's, a couple of years. That's fine. And now it's China. And, yeah. and China is being upstaged by Russia, the, the other existential threat to everyone. So there's not, always this existential threat of Hitler out there, so to speak. Yes. To unify yeah. the American people. So uh, would Putin, I had an expert on last week, Fred Flights. You've probably seen him making the media rounds. Fred said we have battlefield nukes. We no longer have battlefield nukes, but Russia does. Is that true? We still have tactical nuclear weapons. Uh in fact, we have a lot of money in the budget right now to build new ones, and we've all and we've taken the, the view that we can incrementally employ nuclear weapons. The Russians have said any nuclear weapon at all, and we respond effectively with a strike, massive nuclear strike. There was one nuclear weapon, even if it's less than five kilotons, is still a nuclear weapon. So the Russians don't buy that. Putin has been asked on occasion, you know, you've threatened this, you've threatened that. He said, what are you talking about? Well, you said this and this about the Baltic states. He said, yeah. are you crazy? I would use a nuclear weapon against our neighbors in the Baltic states. That's outrageous. He said, I would never do that. And then people don't understand that you have prevailing winds in that part of the world. Mm -hmm. If you detonate a nuclear weapon, let us say in Warsaw, the fallout blows across Siberia uh, into parts of China and Japan. My God. In other words, people don't really understand how this works. No one is interested in a nuclear strike of any kind. I'm quite confident that President Biden isn't, mm. and I'm confident that President Putin isn't. But Putin is fighting on his doorstep. Yeah. That's a little different. If we were dealing with the kind of problem that he has in Mexico, yeah, what would we do? I know what we would do. There's no question about it. But the question is, how, first of all, you've analyzed, from my perspective, sufficient to end this thing, because the, the Ukrainian people are suffering. The, the cities will not be rebuilt in our lifetimes. Never. I don't even know how these cities can be rebuilt. And this is without using massive illusion bomber strikes, for example. For, right. forget, forget missiles. If we go back to the Vietnam era, and I remember that 
LBJ and the others who were running the war wouldn't bomb Hanoi and Haiphong to any extent. They didn't want to cause tremendous civilian damage. Again, it was a hands off. So the fighter pilots flew into impossible situations, getting shot down like flies. And we never won that war because we would not bring to bear all the power of the U.S. military. Is that what's going on with Russia right now? Uh, Well, it's a different thing. Remember, Vietnam was never a vital strategic interest to the United States. That was another war of choice. So there was no real willingness to go in full tilt, if you will. (laughs) Russia is different in Ukraine. The Russians don't want to do the damage for the reasons that I've outlined. I heard a a senior officer who's retired say, well, it's it's an objective to kill as many Ukrainians as possible. I can't find any evidence for that. Who said that? Who said uh, that? It's a retired general. I can't remember which U.S. or Russian U.S. Oh, so another propaganda. I I can't find any evidence for that. In fact, if anything, during the first five days, I think he he surrendered a lot of momentum. Uh, You know, sometimes if you're trying to be restrained, you end up with a longer fight than you otherwise would have had. And more people are killed and, and hurt than would have been the case if you had gone in hard and fast to begin with. Well, you're a tank man. It says Battle, Battle of 73 Easting, the U.S. Army's largest tank battle since World War II. What was that exactly? The 70, 73 Easting is interesting because we, and that is the second squadron of the 2nd Armored Cavalry Regiment. That was an 1,100-man unit with 42 tanks, 42 Bradleys, and eight self-propelled guns. We were in, in the lead of the 2nd Armored Cavalry Regiment across southern Iraq. Oh, you were in that battle. Okay. Yes. We were the first ones in. And we went through a very frustrating three days, to be blunt, of meeting very light resistance and being held back repeatedly. Uh, I didn't like it. I was very, very discouraged about the whole business. There was more interest in keeping everyone on some sort of programmatic schedule designed to move us essentially World War I style online across this vast open desert instead of coming to grips with the real enemy, which was always the, the core of uh, Saddam Hussein's power, his Republican Guard. Mm. And our mission was to lead the Seventh Corps of 110,000 men directly to the Republican Guard and destroy it. Mm. But we were always held back. And finally, on the 26th of uh, February, Uh, After being positioned very slowly, once again, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. They positioned us just short of the enemy. And all of this was being done remotely by people looking at radars. And they were convinced that there was enemy here, there and everywhere where there wasn't any. Mm. And they positioned us right in front of the enemy's defense. Fortunately, uh, it was a sandstorm. We had thermals. And we, had, we could see hotspots, but the enemy could not see us. And when we were finally given permission to advance yet another three or four kilometers before we were stopped, we ran right into the enemy's defenses. Oh, boy. And we had trained, fortunately, that when you do that, you put pedal to the metal and you kill everything that you encounter. Mm. And that is exactly what we did. But we'd had about two and a half days of sporadic... Uh, exposure to the enemy, which meant that we had great confidence in ourselves, great confidence in our weapon systems. And the soldiers were no longer green. They had been, if you will, bloodied. 
Mm. So they were ready for a fight. They were actually, in many cases, I certainly was, disappointed that we had not been used more effectively. And so when we ran into this enemy, people were admittedly anxious to close with and destroy the enemy. And we did. And within 40 minutes, most of the enemy was destroyed. But then again, we were stopped after about 20 minutes into the battle and told, you've gone too far, fall back. Go back to to the line that we gave you. Which and and you, were leading, you were leading. You were leading. You were leading this armored unit consisting of uh, the Abrams tank. Yeah. Against Soviet era Iraqi tanks. Yes, it, they were. They had T seventy twos, and uh, I I actually had a troop on either side of me. I was the S three, but I was in a tank. And I had a, I guess you would say then the total was like initially 18 tanks plus uh, 24 Bradleys and with a lot of artillery that supported us. And we essentially broke right through this defense, annihilating it. And then we stopped. I stopped the whole advance because we had run out of things to shoot. And uh, I was quite I was quite concerned. I said, well, gee, you know, we saw a lot of fire. A lot of things were shot at us. Surely we've had some losses. I was confident that, sadly, we must have lost something. And I came up on the radio and I gave the uh, the order battle stations, battle stations. This is Cougar three. Uh, Give me the update. In other words, tell me tell me what's happened. And what came back immediately was that everybody was at 100%. That we'd gone through this massive defense. We destroyed 30, 40 tanks, uh, perhaps 50, 60 armored personnel carriers. God knows how many infantrymen ran out and were, were, were killed in small arms fire. So I was, I was shocked. Then we got an order, well, you've got to fall back. We want you to fall back. And I was very upset. Mm. I was angry. Uh, I thought we should go straight through to the Euphrates River, which was the objective right through. And uh, I finally said, no, I'm not going back. I w- will not fall back. I'll stay here, but I'm damn sure it's not as hell not going to fall back in front of this. Anyway, make a long story short, we ended up staying there. And it was sort of a bulge, with, which everyone was at least three or four miles to our behind us, to our right or mm you know, many, many miles behind us uh, on the battlefield on our left. And we stayed there. And then we were subjected to some counterattacks. And we did lose a Bradley. Uh, We had uh, six wounded, one killed. Uh, It was unfortunate because uh, I actually knew who the young man was. I'd been with this unit long enough to know Mm. who was was in the tanks and Bradleys in terms Mm. of commanders and gunners. But there is no there is no victory without without cost. There's always a cost of victory. And he paid it. And uh, I'm sorry to bring it up, Colonel. We'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Okay, we're back with Colonel Douglas McGregor. The reason I bring up your your um, experience 
leading the second armored unit, which is that correctly stated? Second armored cavalry, second armored cavalry unit. Okay. We see in Ukraine that Russian vehicles are being obliterated with javelin and other type missiles. And they were supplied by UK, by the UK and by the United States. Mm-hmm. The javelin missile was not available to either side. Then these are rather new. Mm-hmm. Raytheon technology. They can literally melt metal, right? They go right through the metal and melt, melt the metal. So given that we're actually feeding the Ukrainians such advanced weaponry, what has to be done? I mean, I'm going to call this podcast with Colonel McGregor a path to peace in your honor, because really that's what we're trying to discuss here. Yes. And I want them to understand who you are. You're not just a talking head. You're a man, a warrior. You're a battle, battle hardened warrior who's also a philosopher and also a historian. And uh, it's an honor for me to even be speaking with you, by the way, on this program today. How the hell does this end other than Biden stepping in and, and apparently he's being constrained by the Newlands and by the others around him who want more? I say the Republicans military industrial complex because I was shocked. Not I was not surprised, but stunned in, in, in resentment. The minute I saw Mitch McConnell jump in in the fray. Yeah, let's do it. Let's fight Russia. Let's send more money. And then the Democrats salivating anti-Russia, Russia, Russia. And I said, boy, oh, boy, here we go again. Is there any chance this will end? sooner rather than later? Yes, I I think there is. I think there is, because right now, most of the Ukrainian forces are surrounded in towns and cities. The Russians have taken some losses, but not on the scale as reported by the Ukrainians. Mm. And they did lose some momentum as a result of that opening phase, in my judgment. And they've had some very bad weather. The the good news for them, unfortunately, uh, I guess, for the Ukrainians is that uh, we've had plunging temperatures which freezes the ground because they were running into mud. And once the ground freezes, it's much easier to maneuver. And I think we we're making a grave mistake in Washington and in London when we tell people that time is on the side of the Ukrainians. Oh, it's no, not. it's not. Just as an outsider who's not a military man looking in, the absolutely opposite is true. Why are they? Why? Because they want more bloodshed. That's why it seems to be good for some people. Uh, and it's terrible. Uh, Well, that's why I think it's so important for the German chancellor, for President Macron, for the leaders in the states that border Ukraine and Russia to step forward and say, look, we accept neutrality. There will be no more discussion of NATO off the table. I think that's the first thing. And we want a ceasefire to hammer out the rest of the issues. And the issues are what happens to the Donbass republics, those Russians that live in the east, they want to be independent. Mm-hmm. What ha- let's deal with the, the Crimea issue once and for all, because Putin has said, we're not giving back Crimea. You know, how many how many Russian casualties during World War Two were taken to hold Crimea and then to retake it from the Germans? I mean, from their standpoint, this is Crimea is Russian. We, we've got to sort through those things. And then I think we can have a peace settlement. I really do. And I do think people are beginning to understand in Ukraine that this will this won't halt. This will just be a grind, a slow, disastrous grind. And the Russians are willing to pay the price uh-huh. because they see this as an existential threat to them that uh-huh. we have created. Uh-huh. 
Now, this issue of the fog of war and Ukraine to this day demanding a no fly zone, which is not going to happen. The man is trying to drag the world into his war, which gets me agitated every time I hear him open his comedic mouth. Uh, Children killed, probably true. Blowing up a hospital, if true, I would never in a million years believe that Putin, for the sake of publicity alone, would target a hospital. So there's no point even discussing that because either it happened by accident or uh, it was done domestically for propaganda purposes. Right. There's no other explanation for that. How many times have has the IDF in Israel been accused of similar things? That's what I'm seeing. I have been there off and on for 20 years and worked with the IDF. That is nonsense. I absolute, complete and utter nonsense. The Israelis do not deliberately do those things, but they like Americans. We do not deliberately attack civilians. That's not true. Mm. We make mistakes. Mm. Now, I think it's always a mistake to lie about it. If you make a mistake, you should say, we regret this very much. It was a mistake. Yes. We have gotten into the habit recently of not telling the truth. Uh, We did that sometimes during the Kosovo air war Mm. when we struck a target and killed Albanians or we killed Serbs. It were civilians, collateral damage. It's always best just to say, you know, we made a mistake. People will accept that. It's not going to destroy our credibility because they know that we try to avoid it. I am not convinced that the Russians have deliberately executed missions designed to murder civilians in Ukraine. I don't buy it. I see that Foreign Minister Kuleba of Ukraine has gone to Turkey. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Why did you say, why did you react like that when I said Turkey? Uh, the last, the last thing in the world that the Ukrainians ought to be allying with is Mr. Erdogan and his uh, Turkish state that is increasingly Islamist, anti-Russian, anti-Western, anti-Israeli. Mm. Uh, and I, I think this, this also dredges up historical memory because during the Cossack rebellion, The Cossacks were fighting the Poles, and they decided out of desperation to ally themselves with their old enemy, the the Muslim Tartars and Ottoman Turks. This is a mistake. Mm -hmm. This this promises potentially to widen the war. Widen the war. How many times have the Russians fought the Turks? Too many to recite in in just a space of uh, 30 minutes. Endless wars. And what did Putin do in the Caucasus? He ended that conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan on realistic terms. It was not his preference, but he saw value in ending that conflict. That doesn't mean that he is not aware of the danger that Mr. Erdogan and his state represent. Mm. And we, we should be acutely sensitive to that. I cannot conceive of anything that would give the Islamist Turks greater pleasure than to see NATO and Russia slug it out against each other over Ukraine. It's Mm. a disaster. And again, you know, the other people that obviously profit are Chinese. Yeah. The Chinese want to do business. So they would like this to end because they want to regain control of their commercial routes into Europe, which the Russians are effectively expected to secure for them. Mm. Uh, But before you you go, we don't benefit. I don't know. Of course, there's no benefit to this except to the to the manufacturers uh, of uh, weapons, and of course, uh, 
the manufacturers of the New World Order. They're doing very well. Business is good for them. But Colonel, you mentioned Israel and the IDF and you're a consultant to them. Have you met their new prime minister, Bennett? No, I have not met him. You know what? I was surprised that last week, which is when Putin agreed to speak with Bennett. And I looked up Bennett's background. He was in two of the most uh, elite commando units in the IDF behind enemy lines, um, commando units. He's a true warrior. And I thought that that's why Putin agreed to meet with him. He only respects strength. And for them to demand that Zelensky sit down with Putin, sit down with Zelensky, I don't think is a wise demand in that. Well, he never he never has. And perhaps some of what you just described is uh, the rationale for it. But the Ukrainian delegation and the Russian delegation to the peace talks have discussed many of these things. And each time they meet, uh, everybody walks out with no no breakthrough, no answer. And that's why I think it has to come preferably from us. But if we're not going to do that because we still think, which is foolish nonsense, that we are somehow or another going to permanently damage Russia strategically and harm it in such a way that it will bring Mr. Putin down, uh, that is dangerous, a dangerous illusion. And we're deluding ourselves. We shouldn't do that. But there are people, I think, who are aiming at that and think it can be done. That's why the Europeans have got to step in and say this needs to stop. And they need to do the talking to the two sides. So now they're saying, oh, Russia's going to get bogged down in Ukraine. They're going to have urban warfare. I, what are they talk? Why are they not talking about peace instead of more war? They want Ukraine reduced to rubble. And then now, look, we, we know as we speak, the Russian forces have almost encircled all of eastern Ukraine, and they're going to trap all of the Ukrainian troops who have been fighting for, for, for years against the Russians in those disputed areas, which are now indisputably part of Russia. What's going to happen to the Ukrainian troops who are now encircled? What, what will the Russians do with them? Well, I think uh, they will slowly but surely annihilate them. Uh, you know, this, this is uh, the, the great tragedy, and I think that's one of the reasons why so many civilians in uh, places like Mariupol are not being allowed to leave. Why? Uh, the Russians aren't keeping them there, but Ukrainian forces, I'm told, are keeping them there because it, it's a means of protection. Oh, my God. They're using them as human shields? I think so. Oh, boy. It sounds like Lebanon in some regard. And again, the, the Russians don't want to kill those people, so that leaves you only one alternative. You wait. And things get very bad when you don't have water, electricity, sanitation, medical support. And I think that's what's happening. Well, we can talk. I don't want to take up any more of your time. You've been very kind to give me this much time today, Colonel McGregor. Um, Your books are, and I know you didn't ask me to talk about them, Breaking the Phalanx and Transformation Under Fire. Please leave my very loyal audience that I'm sure has been hanging on every word with some final thoughts on this nightmare. I'm calling this a path to peace in your honor. Well, first of all, I would urge people if they're going to buy a book and read it, that they should read my most, my latest work, which is called margin of victory. Five battles that transformed modern warfare. Hmm. Uh, I think they'll find it very interesting. And some of these issues come up and it discusses five battles between 1914 and 1991. Hmm. Uh, That's the first thing. Second thing is this is a horror show. It should stop. Americans should get on the phone and instead of urging support to keep this thing going, 
they should urge their their congressmen and senators to intervene to urge the president to step step in and stop it hmm. and to broker peace and demand the neutrality for Ukraine because that's the number one issue and has been for the Russians since the late nineties. Mm. It became a major issue for Putin in 2007 at Munich. And he's been warning ever since then, we will not tolerate on our borders, us forces and missiles and NATO troops. And I can understand that. And the sad part is making Ukraine neutral creates a wonderful buffer state between us and the Russians Mm-hmm. And the, the people in Ukraine will profit because they can be that bridge. They can become prosperous and wealthy. They don't have to live in squalor and poverty and misery. But we've got to get people like President Biden to step up and say that. And thus far, he's surrounded by people urging him to do the opposite. I think that's a thousand percent true. And um, I'm so glad that President Trump reached out to you during his few years where he tried to save this country from the very same horde that is now about to destroy the whole world unless the world comes to their senses. Colonel Gregor, a true honor to have spoken with you via Zoom today uh, on, on Zoom. Modern technology is phenomenal, isn't it? We, we could, it's like being in the same room with you, almost. And now we could just go back to our normal lives without having to travel anywhere. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I, I like Faith, God, and Reason your book. Oh, yes. And I've enjoyed listening to you through the years. So it was a special pleasure for me. That's very nice to hear that someone even knows who I am. But uh, I turn 80 at the end of this month, which I never thought I'd see 40. So it's quite a <laughs> miracle for me to have gotten this far. I hope I make it to the end of the, <laughs> the month. God, uh, faith. Uh, every day is a gift. Well, coming from warrior, that's true. And just as a civilian, I pray every morning that First, I thank God every morning for giving me the morning. And at night, I say, give me the morning tomorrow. You know, I, ask. <laughs> I don't say I don't demand. I ask. I ask because somebody up there is definitely in control. Where is he now? Well, uh, that's a story for another day, I suppose. Colonel, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it very much. Sincerely, thank you. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage. Ready to make a difference from the comfort of your home? United Health Group is looking for problem solvers like you. Dive into a customer service career where your skills help improve lives. Grow your career in a flexible work environment while we support you with industry-leading benefits. Make a difference daily while building your future. Visit careers.uhg.com or click the banner to apply today.